Well, when Sean uh, <clears throat> heard that we were coming up for a visit to get a, a great-grandchild fix, uh, he um, surprised me by inviting me to, uh, to speak to you. I consider it a great privilege and a great honor whenever I am asked to speak to God's people. And like I said, I, I received permission. I really felt like I received permission from the Lord just about a year ago to discontinue the pulpit preaching aspect of what God has called us to do with our lives. I still want to be a, a minister and to be a part of what God's doing in the earth, but I'm not preaching much anymore simply because of my, of my eyes. But uh, I, I couldn't turn down the opportunity to share with you because we are so proud of Sean and April and so supportive of what they are doing here and know that this has been an exceedingly difficult year for everyone, certainly for pastors, I have to tell you. I'm glad I'm not the pastor of a church in the times that we've been through the last year and a half. That has got to be incredibly difficult and frustrating when you, you can't serve and gather the people that you love the way that you felt called to do. So I was very happy to accept this invitation and he told me about this series on metaphors, metaphors of Christ. And he hadn't begun the series yet, so he said, of all the metaphors, Jim, which would you uh, like to choose to talk about for a few minutes when you're here? And so I immediately knew what I want to talk about because it's my favorite metaphor of Jesus, and that's Jesus the shepherd. We just read out of John 10 where Jesus identifies himself as a shepherd. I think you know that a metaphor is a figure of speech that is used to help people move from the abstract to the concrete in their understanding of what a person is trying to say about themselves or someone else. And of course, most of Jesus' metaphors, as you've noticed in this series, were um, appropriate to people, number one, that were uneducated. They were illiterate. Jesus' Jesus' audience was illiterate. And they were agrarian, agrarian by the fact that they lived off the land. And so most of these metaphors were very simple and had something to do with the surroundings in which the people lived to help them to begin to understand this abstract concept of a Messiah, of a kingdom, of salvation, and of the provision that God wanted them to experience in a personal way and not just a religious or traditional way, which was all they knew. And so you can understand that a shepherd, which is something all of Jesus' audience would have seen just about every day of their life, would have been a very appropriate word picture for him to use to try and describe the kind of a leader and lover of people that he was there to be. Now, it works entirely the opposite for you and me today because I dare say that very few of us in here uh, are acquainted with a shepherd or have had much to do with sheep. There's probably someone, but the majority of us, that's an abstract concept. So when we start talking about Jesus, 
as a shepherd, it sounds nice, but what exactly was he trying to say about himself when he used that term that those people would have automatically picked up when they heard him describe himself that way? And of course, you can't, in this particular case, you cannot really fully appreciate the metaphor of the shepherd unless you understand that within the metaphor, we find ourselves, and he's referring to us as being like sheep. And again, maybe we don't really understand what he might have been trying to say when he describes us as sheep. And so I just have a few minutes today, but I wanted to reflect on that, and hopefully it will help all of us understand a little bit more about the sufficiency of God in our lives and our tremendous need for his role in every aspect of our lives. And so for me, I really can't deal with John 10 without coupling it with the 23rd Psalm because it helps us understand the other part of the metaphor, which are the sheep themselves. But here in John 10 that Sean read for us a few minutes ago, there's a number of important points besides the fact that Jesus identifies himself as being like a shepherd. And by the way, he describes himself as a what? A good shepherd. Because there's all kinds of everything. You know, there's you know, there's good carpenters and there's bad carpenters. There's uh, there's good baseball players and bad baseball players. And apparently there's good shepherds and bad shepherds. And Jesus refers to a couple of the bad kinds of shepherds, and particularly the, it's the, the hirelings, the ones that, are, that don't really give a rip about the sheep. They just care more about what they're going to get paid for taking care of them. And when push comes to shove and the flock is truly in danger, they're out of there because they're not invested emotionally or personally or in any way in the sheep, and Jesus tells you and me that as sheep, we need to steer clear of people like that that call themselves shepherds, that are just in it for the money, that are just in it for the title, for the status, for whatever they're in it for, other than the fact that they truly are willing to lay their life down for the sheep. And that's a whole other message, that's a whole other sermon in itself, but you are responsible to identify in your life, number one, a need for a shepherd. Under Jesus, he has assigned men and women as under shepherds. And it's your responsibility, not the shepherds in this metaphor, for you to find him or her. But make sure they're not a hireling. Make sure they're not just doing it for some other reason than caring about you. And there's also thieves. Jesus says there are people that just spend their life ripping shepherds off of their sheep. And you have to look at that track record as well. But again, getting into this, the whole leadership 
um, application of the 23rd Psalm is not really where I wanted to go, but it's all there in John 10. Jesus warns us that we have to be careful about who we're hanging out with. So, um, you know, I can vouch for this guy over here because uh, I know how he treats his wife and I know how he treats his kids. And uh, I think you should know, however you call your shepherd, how he or she treats their kids or treats their spouse. Because if you think they're going to treat you different than that, you're crazy. So we have a responsibility to be very discerning and very careful about the kinds of people that we follow. But if you're here, I'm just here to say today you're on to something good. That's my opinion. And I know I'm a little biased, but hey, give it to me. In this passage of scripture that we just read already, if you just kind of look at it there in your lap, you can see that Jesus not only identifies himself as a good shepherd, and he not only talks about the importance of following the right kind of a shepherd, but I think most amazingly, this is one of the few places in the New Testament where you can find yourself. There's a verse there that speaks directly and specifically about people like you and me. I assume that most of us here this morning are Gentiles. And Jesus refers to the fact that there are going to be added to this flock others that are not of this flock. And that is a clear reference to non-Jewish people that would be included in the church later on in the book of Acts, which by the way was a, a big deal because that, that was a total paradigm shift. And, uh, but there you are. If you're looking for yourself in the Bible, that's one of the places you can find yourself when Jesus promises uh, his audience that there's going to be some non-Jews in this gang before it's all over, so get ready for it. And boy, I'm sure glad, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I told you that you, you really can't look at John 10, which helps us understand what Jesus is like, what God is like, without understanding why we need him so badly and that the 23rd Psalm really does that for us. So I'm going to ask my dear wife if she read to you the 23rd Psalm. Shepherd. Now, I don't know if he's going to talk about it, but we have an Australian shepherd dog. <laughs> and she thinks she's our shepherd. She spends most of her energy getting us into one space, one room, one bed, one car. We're to be together, and she spends her energy doing that. She also protects us all the time, especially from dogs on television. She protects us every time a dog comes on the television. She barks and makes sure we're okay. As that happens. So there's just a little picture of a shepherd in today's vernacular. It's the truth. <laughs> I figured you were going to get to it. No, I wasn't going to talk about her. <laughs> I get too, I'll start getting sad because I miss her. Now I'm on the video. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Grab that, guys. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You know, I've often thought that if I could just, if somebody asked me to talk about the Lord being like a shepherd, that I would just stand up on the, you know, on the platform after they paid $1,000 to fly me to their, to this place to bring this great message from Dr. Hayford and put me up in a hotel and come up on the stage and read Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And say amen and walk out. <laughs> because that's it right there. That's what we're doing here this morning in a nutshell. You can try and improve on it. You can add to it. You can complicate it. You can religion, uh, bring a bunch of religion into it. But what it all comes down to is we have a God. We have a Savior who identifies himself as a shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep. And that's all you need. Can you say amen to that? That's all you need. Now, some people would say that's an oversimplification, but then, like I said, you've got to take a brief look today. We could spend weeks on this, but just take a brief look at the metaphor of you and I being like a sheep. The Bible says we are all like sheep who have gone astray. We have each turned everyone to our own way. Everybody's got a plan. Everybody's working something. Everybody thinks they've got it figured out. Everybody thinks they're different than everybody else. And so we sit around by the hair of our chinny-chin-chins and figure out our own salvations. We figure out our own uh, solutions to our dilemmas. We've got a plan. And God wants us to think, and he wants us to plan I mean, he gave us a brain for a reason, but he wants us to know, my dear child, just by inherent within your human humanity are certain limitations that you may have forgotten about, as it is with sheep. You know, sheep are considered to be, now remember, we are likened by Jesus to being like sheep. Sheep are considered to be the dumbest domesticated animal. <laughs> I'm sorry, excuse me, I don't like this. I don't like to talk this way about myself. But sheep are considered to be the dumbest domesticated animal on the face of this earth. They are entirely dependent. 
They cannot exist without help. I mean, sheep are so stupid, they'll walk up to running water and get dizzy and fall in it and drown. <laughs> That's why a shepherd has to find still water. If a shepherd can't get sheep to lay down, they'll fall down and they can't get back up. And I could just go on and on and on. Sheep are in trouble without a shepherd. And it would be a wise man and a wise woman and a wise young person in this room today if you could just get that. That without the Lord, you're in trouble. I don't know how people do it without the Lord. I was surprised we recently, just went, maybe two weeks ago, did a funeral for a 21-year-old boy who died in his sleep. And um, the last thing in the world I thought I was going to do at this point in my life in Mesa, Arizona, was a, was a funeral for a 21-year-old boy who died in his sleep. And so there we had the opportunity to speak to a room full of 20-year-olds about standing on the brink of eternity. But why I bring that up is that that boy's mother, who we were dealing with through all of this pain, is not a believer. And I don't know how, I just don't know how she could, will be able to stand it. I don't know how she was even getting through it. it I'm so grateful for the presence of the living God in my life. And because of the presence of the living God, my Savior Jesus, in my life, I have everything that I might ever need if I would just call on him. You see, the promise of the Lord to be with us and to never leave us does not mean that he's out here somewhere and you've got to pull him in when you're in a problem. No, he's with you wherever you go. You don't go to God. God is in you if you're a follower of his, if you're a believer of his, if you're a child of his. He's living in you. And so I want to just make this short because you're all looking forward to the, the deviled eggs <laughs> and uh, I understand what I'm up against <laughs> but I want to give you a, a really brief theology 101 lesson now I a few years ago I was still teaching theology at the graduate level at a, at a, at a university so I'm going to keep this just real simple. There's three things you need to take with you today if you don't already have them about God that explains this issue that he's everything you need. Number one, God is omnipotent. I'm going to give you three of God's attributes. He is omnipotent. 
That means he is all powerful. He is stronger, more powerful than any other force in nature. Now bring that home and get this into your head. God is stronger than you are. That's a hard one for some of us to get. It's almost easier for us to let him, you know, stop an earthquake or stop a hurricane, but for him to stop all of our energy is not something we're necessarily willing to let him do. But I just wanted to remind you gently and lovingly today that in case you've forgotten, and some of you have some pretty big guns, I think. I can't see you, but I imagine you do. <laughs> I know that Kinley has big guns. But God is stronger than you are. Would you make a note of that? Because that could affect your behavior on any given day. I don't know why it is, but we try everything within our personal resources when we get ourselves into a pickle. And when none of that works, then we turn to God. I would like to suggest that you turn to him first. Because he's your shepherd and he's everything in you. The second thing in my Theology 101 lesson this morning is not only is God omnipotent, he is omniscient. Now the word omniscient simply means that God knows everything. About everything. About everything. I hope that's okay with you. For some people that's a little, I don't know, a little uncomfortable. I don't really want God knowing that much. He knows everything. So that only is not just interesting in general, just as a theological concept, but let's make it personal. It means, and somebody needs to make a note of this today, because of something you're going through right now. God knows more than you do. God's smarter than you are. Would you make a note of that? You see, if you could go into this week believing that God was stronger than you are, I mean really believing it, and that your shepherd is smarter than you are, I dare say you would make fewer mistakes. Boy, it's quiet in here. Good. And then finally, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. It's hard to get your head around that, isn't it? But it's true, because if it wasn't true, he wouldn't have said he's that way. I like to put it this way. God, Jesus the shepherd, he gets around. 
You know, one of the things I learned about shepherds is that they sometimes lead their sheep, sometimes they follow their sheep. And in the 23rd Psalm, if you were to study the 23rd Psalm, it's really a one-year life cycle in the life of a contented sheep. And this sheep is talking. In the 23rd Psalm, it's a sheep talking there. And it talks about how the shepherd goes before him or her and prepares a table. And it's a picture of a shepherd going out ahead and preparing a pasture to make it safe for the sheep. And then come back and get them. The Lord goes before you. He stands behind you. He's in you. He's everywhere. He's omniscient. I want to show you a picture in closing today. Is it up there? This is a picture of a picture that hangs in our home. We collect the art of a English artist named Mackenzie Thorpe, who is autistic. He draws all of his skies with his fingertips and does amazing things with cartoonish figures. And the reason I love this picture, it hung over my desk as a senior pastor for years, and now it's in our dining room, is look at the look on those sheep's face. They don't have a care in the doggone world. <laughs> they're just goofballs, you know, just look at them. They're just dirty, dirty, doing everything's wonderful. And they're just, they're just living it up because look what's behind them. The, serious, the most serious-looking shepherd you've ever seen in your life. There's no cartoon on that character. And look at that sky behind him. That's intimidating. That's a storm. That's the kind of stuff that should have had those sheep going nuts, trying to figure out what they were going to do about it. But they're just smiling into the storm because they're shepherds. Is taking care of everything they need. Isn't that a great picture? I want you to put that picture into your heart the next time there's a storm on the horizon in your life. And I hope that you can just have that contented, happy, go lucky look on your face in spite of what's going on because you know that Jesus is your shepherd and you have everything that you need. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.